the night before Christmas and all through the ship. Not a sensor was flashing, not even a blip. When there was a huge crash to the bridge, I then ran. And there upon St. Nicholas with joystick in hand. With Atari's Miss Pac-Man, he gobbled and scored. Then on to Jungle Hunt, he played till he roared. From out of his sack, he pulled dozens of games, all the great ones from Atari, our favorite names. Before I could thank him, he beamed out of sight. With a Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 204. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Merry Christmas. As this episode goes out, it is three days before Christmas. I hope you have your shopping done. I hope you have baked and ingested all of the cookies. To the point where you're debating, should I make more cookies? Should I go to the store and get cookies? Well, that's easy. Do not go to the store to get cookies. You know why? Because the store is an awful, awful Hunger Games style arena of death right now. You think normal shopping trips are awful like I do? Uh, This time of year, it's positively brutal. So don't do it. Scrape together the ingredients out of your own kitchen, even if you have to make moldy hot dog cookies because you're out of chocolate chips. Just don't go to the store. This has been a public service announcement from Atari Bytes. I'm pretty excited as I'm recording this episode. I am mere hours away from the debut of my short play, one-act play, Election Night, Holy Night. It is part of a series of one-act plays being presented at a Playwrights Festival here locally. Remember, guys, always support local theater and local playwrights. They need your support and encouragement. Uh, so my play, Election Night, Holy Night, is going up tonight as you're, as I'm recording, as you're hearing this on Sunday. If you're listening on Sunday, uh, that's the final performance, just three performances. So I'm pretty excited about it. It's a pretty funny play. It's gotten some laughs so far from uh, you know people who have seen it. Uh, so I, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that and also very tired because... When I was invited to write for it, I thought, well, that'd be fine. Yeah, I'll write a play and turn it in, and I worked really hard on it, and I was tired, and I turned it in, and then they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, you need to cast the show yourself. Oh, all right. So I scrambled around, tried to find some actors. It got to the point where I almost thought I was going to have to be one of the actors in the show because I had a t- hard time finding people, but then I finally did. Uh, I found three really good actors, as a matter of fact, so I'm really happy with that. And then they were like, well, maybe you just need to go ahead and direct the show yourself. Uh, okay. So I did that too. And now, I, in addition to that, somehow I've become one of the stagehands who helps uh, strike the set. My own set for my show, you know, between, between the shows. So I'm doing that too. Um, so yeah, it's been a very tiring experience, but I'm pretty excited to see it, um, you know, go out into the world. So... 
Support local theaters when I'm saying. All right. You know who else wants support? This guy. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mac Hughes. Mad Mac Hughes. This is Rocket Man, the official, I guess, Twitter page for Rocket Man the movie, posted a couple days ago. Artist Michael DeGroot illustrates Mad Mike riding the flat earth rocket with a grand I told you so. Okay. There's a link to rocketman.com, realrocketman.com. Well, where's the thing that they said this Michael DeGroot illustrated? It's just a link to the page. All right, you actually have to go to the Instagram. We have here actually a, a very nice drawing of uh, a dude riding a rocket. The rocket says flat earth on it, and he's soaring above the earth, which of course is flat with a ring of ice around it. Why he did this, I don't know. Is Michael DeGroot a flat earther? Is he just uh, an admirer of... Fl- my, Mad Mike for some reason. Is he doing this ironically? I just don't know. But it is a nice picture. So if you go to the This Is Rocket Man Instagram page, you can check that out for yourself. If the Earth is flat, would Santa Claus have an easier time getting to all the places he needs to go without having to worry about, you know, the equator and whatnot? You science types can break that down for me. That appears to be all the Mad Mike Hughes news this week. So... Merry Christmas, all you flat earthers out there. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. There is no news this week. It's Christmas. Everyone's taking the week off, getting bloated on eggnog and cookies. So let's move on to this week's game. Ho, ho, ho. That's funny. There is no game this week. My Christmas present to you is that you do not have to listen to me suffer through an Atari game. Instead, I thought we'd have a little story time. After the break, Scrooge isn't looking, so go ahead and put some extra coal on the fire, settle back with a wee bit of wassail, and prepare to be regaled with a joyous tale. Or, you know, whatever humbug is served up after the break. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. 
And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. Scrooge was better than his word. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew, or any other good old city, town or borough in the good old world. And to Tiny Tim, who lived and got well again, he became a second father. Uncle Scrooge! And it was always said that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. All right, well, that's all well and good. Scrooge stepping in, promising to be a second father to the boy, Tiny Tim. Scrooge and the Cratchit family sharing wassail. Making wassail? Having wassail? Wassailing? Whatever you do with it, I don't know. But do you know what happened the next day? It's story time. Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Tiny Tim's Atari Dreams. As the Christmas morn faded into milky twilight, the songs had all been sung, the mulled wine drunk, the turkey carcass was no longer big as the lad who fetched it for Scrooge, diminished in celebration of the day by the Cratchit family. Scrooge slipped away into the night, floating on a cloud of newfound humanity. He finished out the day enjoying a Christmas cordial with his nephew Fred, then home to a restful sleep free of spirits. The next morning, Scrooge invited his bewildered and much-put-upon assistant Bob Cratchit to discuss the terms of employment, his new employment relationship, over a bowl of hot punch. Things were glorious in that new era for about a week. But then, one morning, just after the new year, Bob Cratchit came into the offices of Scrooge and Marley. For once, he was the one wearing the dower. Strike that. Came into the offices of Scrooge and Marley. For once, he was the one wearing the dower expression. Bob Cratchit, my boy, Scrooge's voice boomed from across across the room. He'd been carefully attending to the new stove, providing heat to the offices. Greetings. Mr. Scrooge, sir, Bob Cratchit began, pausing procrastinating, really, by hanging his threadbare wool coat and hat upon the hook. You've been so kind to my family these last few days, sir. Tiny Tim is much the stronger for it. I shudder to burden you further. Scrooge chuckled. It still sounded a bit strange, more wheeze than mirth, but he was working on it. Nonsense, he said good-naturedly. I have a great many years of service to repay. How may I help you? Well, you see, sir, Cratchit said, it's Tiny Tim, sir. Without even realizing, he took the poker from Mr. Scrooge and stirred the coals in the fire. Oh dear, Scrooge said. The boy hasn't taken a turn, has he? No, sir, Cratchit said. Quite the opposite. Whatever do you mean, my boy? Well, sir, Cratchit Cratchit began, searching clumsily for words. 
he's more energetic than ever, doesn't tire as easily, and we thank the good Lord for that, to be sure. But, well, he's bored, sir. A flicker of indignation sputtered in the cold recesses of Scrooge's once dark heart. Bored? Are there no trades he could apprentice to? What of schooling? Put him to work, mining the coal Cratchit is so fond of. What right did lame boys like Tim have to complain of boredom? These thoughts played acidly through Scrooge's head. But that was the old Scrooge, the compassionless Scrooge. The new Scrooge instead said, Perhaps your young man needs a hobby. His grin was not completely forced, but it was a little forced. Gold tooth glinting in the firelight. What are the young man's interests? Cratchit shifted in his seat, warming to the fire in the direction of this awkward conversation. Well, he has dreams, sir. Fantastic, amazing dreams. Spaceships and exotic lands. Explorers and monsters and ghosts. Ghosts! Scrooge shouted. Yes, sir. He says the ghosts live in a maze and chase people around, gobbling little marbles. Oh, it's all the stuff of a boy's wild imagination. Good heavens, Scrooge said. But my boy, Cratchit said, he's never been able to run and jump like the other boys, Mr. Scrooge. He's beginning to taste what that might be like, all thanks to your generosity, I might add. And, well, he has the impatience of youth. You remember what it's like, sir. Scrooge cast his mind back to the dour rigidity of his own youth when education and study snuffed the light out of imagination. Imagination, he heard himself mutter. The frivolity of youth is... His contemptuous rant was cut short by the thought of those spirits and all they had shown him. Standing in his old schoolroom, watching young Scrooge, sitting alone working on his sums when everyone else went home to their families. Bob Cratchit looked at his employer. His impulse was to flinch, of course, but the look on Scrooge's face. Eyes still dark, but less so. There was more color in the cheeks and thin lips cracked into a half-smile. My boy, Scrooge said, I have a plan. Hours later, a tense Ebenezer Scrooge made his way along the docks. It was dirty, cold, smelled of rotten fish. Scrooge didn't belong here, would never have come here in his former guise. Yet, he knew exactly where he was. Thank you, spirit of Christmas yet to come. Old Joe was ensconced under the bridge, his thick massive frame near indistinguishable from the piles holding up the bridge. Like a crocodile, old Joe's eyes cut through the darkness and followed Scrooge for a long while before he spoke. A quid for the coat, governor? Old Joe said, and I'd be doing a favor taking that hat off your hands for no more than the efforts to lift it. Scrooge tried to tamp down the queasy look on his face. Old Joe, I presume, he said. Your servant, sir, Old Joe growled. I require your services, Scrooge said. Do tell, Old Joe said, amused. You don't look like the one to consort with the other folk. Nonetheless, Scrooge said, I am in need of entertainments. Old Joe smirked. You've come to the wrong docks for that. Fool, Scrooge said. I seek toys, games, amusements for a young boy. Old Joe chuckled and reached languidly to one side. He produced from a sack marbles, checkers, conkers, spinning tops, and a hobby horse? Scrooge bought them all, at prices naturally inflated to compensate Old Joe for his exertions. Prices that at any level represented more than Scrooge had paid for anything in his entire miserly life. 
At the tiny home of the Cratchit family, Tiny Tim wore the flush of renewed hope and vigor, not yet free of his crutch, though that would come by the grace of God and Mr. Scrooge's investments in his welfare. But he was also feeling a bit mopey. Come now and help with this bit of maths, Peter encouraged, for Tim was a whiz at mathematics, despite his young age. If I'm to be apprenticed to a businessman, I've got to be able to get my sums right. Maybe later, Tiny Tim said. Tim, dear, there's still a bit of fidgy pudding left, his mother said. Care for a bowl? No, thank you, mother, Tim said. Though he already slouched a bit, he seemed to sink further into the hearth by which he warmed himself. A knock at the door and Mr. Scrooge was granted access, arms wide and loaded down with gifts. It was Christmas morning all over again, except, of course, it wasn't, as Tiny Tim's siblings soon learned to their bitter and, let's be honest, lifelong resentment. My boy, Scrooge said once he'd piled his burdens upon the table and regained his breath from his exertions. Your father tells me you dream of adventure and faraway places. The words were a bit distasteful on Scrooge's tongue, but he was working on it. Tim brightened up. Oh, yes, Mr. Scrooge. I would so dearly love to soar through outer space, battling monsters and the like, or run through the jungle collecting treasures. I can picture it so well in my mind. Peter scoffed. Outer space? What nonsense. What's wrong with the space we have now? His sisters chimed in, in eerie unison. Well, dear boy, Scrooge said, and these bundles are the very things to spark a boy's sense of fun and adventure. For me? Tim said. Certainly, Scrooge said. All for you. Tim wasted no time ripping open the parcels. All manner of board games, playing cards, and intricate mechanical toys, pirates and clowns and monkeys that climb ladders and such, spilled forth. The newfound optimist, Scrooge, had even purchased hoops and ropes for skipping in the hope that Tim one day soon would have the strength to use them. Peter was pretty jealous, but he put on a supportive face. Tim, though? Well, his ever-present smile didn't fade, but did falter a bit. Oh, he said dully, and leaned back on his crutch. Is there a problem, dear? his mother asked. Oh, no, mother, Tim said. These are lovely gifts, to be sure, just not what I had in mind. Tim, his mother reproached. Scrooge held up a hand. Let the boy speak. And Tim did. Well, these are boring. That's when Ebenezer Scrooge lost his figgy pudding. Pardon me, he began. Have you no refuge or resource? Are there no entertainments at hand? I help to stave off your listlessness at great expense. You can find fun if you open your eyes, child. Those who are without outlet for creativity must surely go there. But I cannot, Mr. Scrooge, Tim said. I don't feel like it. If you would rather be bored, said Scrooge bitterly, then you'd better do it and decrease the surplus happiness. With that, Scrooge stomped out of the tiny home of the Cratchit family, the few bits of artwork on the walls shuddering as the door slammed behind him. Soot dirtied a fresh snowfall that crunched beneath Scrooge's well-worn boots. Of all the ungrateful, he started, reluctant to finish the thought, lest he betray his new persona. Unsure what to do now, Scrooge kept walking, head bowed, avoiding all he passed, as per his custom, but for different reasons now. Old Scrooge was sad and angry, but he understood how to do that. He didn't understand how to be happy, generous Scrooge, yet. And what to do when that generosity is spurned. It was confusing. Scrooge didn't like confusing. He liked black and white. The child, Tim added shades of color to his typical monochrome palette, and it was discomforting. So lost in his thoughts he was that Scrooge would have toppled on his collision with the specter before him. 
but as it was a specter, he passed right through, only vaguely aware something had happened, the way you might register something in your peripheral vision without seeing it fully. Ebenezer, a man's voice said, as if speaking through water. Scrooge knew right away what was happening. Not again, spirit, Scrooge groaned. Leave me be. The ghost spoke again. Face me, man. Scrooge, by this point, knew not to argue. He turned and looked into the round, cherubic face of a man seemingly much younger than himself. He wore an oddly shaped spectacles, no frock coat, and a shirt with no sleeves. The lettering on the shirt was a nonsense jumble of letters. A-T-A-R-I. His trousers were a strong, heavy cotton fabric, which Scrooge had heard rumor was becoming fashionable in France. Denim, he sneered. Pardon? The spirit said, then cleared its otherworldly throat. <clears throat> Sorry, I meant, what the F? I've learned my lesson, spirit, Scrooge said. Why do you haunt me so? The spirit shrugged. New day, new lesson, it said. Look, I'm the spirit of gaming yet to come. Gaming? Scrooge said. Oh, you mean because of this disagreeable exchange with Tiny Tim? Well, the boy just doesn't understand games is all. Well, the spirit said, he understands that those games suck. Scrooge frowned. Suck, he repeated. Explain. Never mind, the spirit said. Just watch. Thick hands on jiggly biceps waved as the spirit of gaming yet to come opened a starry portal between Scrooge and himself. A hiss of steam and flash of light later, and Scrooge held in his hands a black box with ornate rounded wood grain trim. Six elaborate levers extended from the top, and thick pipes of shiny tin encircled the monstrosity. What the devil? Scrooge began, nearly dropping the devilish device that had appeared before him. Behold, the ghost of gaming yet to come said, the world's first Atari 2600 steampunk heavy sixer. The pride in the spirit's voice was unmistakable. He studied Scrooge for a moment, waiting for some sort of excited response. Getting none, he instead handed Scrooge a pair of goggles. Here, he said, you're going to need these. The spirit quickly explained to Scrooge how what we would call a video game console worked. It runs on lamp oil, the spirit explained. Scrooge understood not a word, but he was a smart man and memorized what he was told. The spirit handed Scrooge two game cartridges, Gatling Gun Command and Industrial Revolution. My time on this earth grows short, the spirit said. Not much more than pole position time trials. Scrooge didn't understand that either. The spirit faded away. Armed with the gifts the spirit had given him, Scrooge dazzled Tiny Tim with these bizarre new gifts. The boy, inexplicably, took to them like the ducks on the river he used to love watching so much. The boy and his siblings whiled away the rest of that day lost in the oil field adventures splayed before their eyes on one wall of the Cratchit home. At one point, the wee boy was heard saying, God bless us, everyone. But Peter, if you beat my high score again, I'll show you the business end of my cane.
for years, Dogwater Hunt, alien abductee, many times over, has scanned the skies waiting for the aliens to return to his hometown of Santa Claus, Indiana. Yes, it's a real place. This year on Christmas Eve, Dogwater believes it will happen. Dogwater's friend, Cameron Jones, a successful novelist, is struggling with writer's block. A talking goldfish? That's normal, isn't it? And a battle with his ex-wife over her plan to move to England with their five-year-old daughter. Meanwhile, up at the North Pole, Santa himself has got his own problems. After centuries of being jolly, the constant tide of kids who believe, then don't anymore, is wearing on him. So he quits, hangs up the red suit, and is Kringle no more. Where does he go? Santa Claus, Indiana, obviously. The story of how these three men are thrown together is told in the novel In the Saint Nick of Time, written by the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. It's about time there was a Santa Claus story for adults, so he wrote one. Will these guys save Christmas? Probably. That's how these books work. But you gotta read it to find out how. Go to www.carnivalofgleekcreations.com for more information about the book and some of the places you can order it. Happy Holidays! That's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you have figured out by now. But make sure to use the Force, because in addition to everything else this weekend, I also saw Star Wars, the Super Jedi, I don't know what it's called. The, the returning, rising, sitting around of Skywalker, whatever it's called. I saw that too. Uh, let's just say I loved it or hated it or whatever you think I should think about it because I don't know yet what I think. So uh, what I'm getting at is go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review of the show and Star Wars for that matter if you want. I don't care. Um, email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. Don't forget, you can still call us too. Leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978. I'm never going to answer the phone, but you can leave me a message about any damn thing you want, and very likely I will play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. There's information, social media, links to this podcast, links to my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, the monthly exploration of all things related to the Peanuts comic strip and connected projects. Um, You can also find out information about books that I've written, including, as you've already heard in this show, Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts, and In the Saint Nick of Time, which is a Christmas book. And even though Christmas is just about over, but not quite over, it still makes a lovely gift. Please consider supporting the show financially, which is also a lovely gift, by becoming a subscriber 
on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. If you do that, you can probably get access to episodes early, or you can get bonus content, which I put up there from time to time. All sorts of cool things. Um, you can also pick up Go Play Some Old Games They've Missed You, Shirts and Mugs, over there at the AB underscore pod store on Zazzle.com. Perhaps sometime in 2020. Updates to that store will happen since they didn't happen in 2019. We can always hope. Oh, I forgot. A shout out to my patrons over there on the Patreon. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, and Sean Courtney. You guys are awesome. I hope you have a lovely new year. All right. Well, before I go, happy holidays to you and yours. Happy gaming. Happy, you know what? Um, just happy life. Because uh, things are kind of not great in the world right now in a lot of ways. So keep your head up. Uh, keep doing what you do if what you do is not hurting anyone or, you know, trying to live the best life you can. So keep doing that. Have a lovely remainder of your holiday season. Look forward to 2020 and making it the best year possible. Also, look forward to next week's episode. It'll be the last episode of this podcast for 2019. We're not going to play a game next week either. Um, We're going to have my second annual movie review. Last year, we did uh, Megaforce. This year, it'll be Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And if we resolve all the technical uh, technical glitches, I will not be alone for that episode. I will have special surprise guests. So tune in for that. If the technical problems that plagued us trying to record that review last week continue to be an issue, well, then you'll just get me. So either way, it'll be a good show. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. What's not to like about that? Probably a lot of things. But we'll find out next week on the podcast. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.